You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Well, uh, good to be with all of you tonight, and good to see you. It's always, it's always great for us to be with you. Uh, I, I feel something like a hypocrite to say that. It's like, well, if it's so great, why don't you come up here more often? Uh, we're a long ways from Sioux Falls down in El Paso, and so we get up here whenever we can, and uh, we drove up here on Thursday. Uh, well, we started to drive up here on Thursday. We didn't get here till Friday. Uh, but uh, this is a, a special place, uh, obviously, for my wife. She grew up here. Uh, it's a special place to me, too. I mean, Eastside Baptist Church in Sioux Falls gave me my wife. And obviously, then everything else that goes along with that, my children, and uh, then the time I had to be able to be with a, a number of you here during that summer. That's a long time ago now, back in 2003. And a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then, and so a lot of new faces here, and a lot of uh, not-so-new faces. I almost said old faces, but that wouldn't have sounded right. A lot of not-so-new faces uh, to see, and, but always fun to be back here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I want you to know, too, um, that I and our church, I mean, we, we have prayed for you, and we've... You know, between our church and Eastside Baptist Church and the, the church that Brother Jet is coming from, the Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater, I know uh, there's a lot of praying going on and a lot of transition in all of those churches. And uh, we're, I've told Brother Spencer many times, I'm like, you know what, we're kind of third on the totem pole as far as, and I mean that sincerely, I mean we're, we're kicking along just fine and uh, the, the two big transitions are between you and uh, Stillwater, and, but I just want you to know, we, we've really been praying for you and kind of watching this thing come together over the last couple of years, and uh, <clears throat> listen, I, I, I want to say this, and I, I hope it doesn't sound, um, I don't know how it might sound, but I would say I, I am a big believer in the fact that Jesus Christ cares for His church, Eastside Baptist Church is the body of Jesus Christ, he cares more about it than anybody in this room, and uh, he's going to take care of Eastside Baptist Church. And I believe I've seen that happen, not only for Eastside, I believe I've seen that happen where I'm at, at Hillcrest in El Paso, and uh, I just believe God's going to continue to do that here. And uh, we're, we're, again, just looking forward to some of the changes, of course, that are coming our way, and I, I understand that there's a lot of pros and cons and ups and downs to change, and, uh, but I, I believe God knows, and, and so do you, uh, that uh, God knows what he's doing, and uh, looking forward to the best there. So, easy for me to say. I mean, the Spencers are coming our way, right? Uh, so, but uh, we're, we're looking forward to that, and again, praying very seriously with you, and honestly for you, that grace and peace uh, is given to you, and just that God would guide in that transition time. So, Let's get into the Word of God tonight, shall we? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 1, if you would, please. Let's take a look together at Matthew chapter number 1. And I'd like to ask you to look with me at verse number 18. Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 18. And notice... Here in verse number 18, this is obviously something very familiar to many of us in here and, of course, very appropriate at this time of the year. 
Look here at verse number 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, and it's interesting, I think it's kind of interesting for you to pick up on that, that they are espoused. They're not fully married yet. They're engaged. But they refer to each other as husband and wife. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, was not willing to make her, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Just in passing, the name Jesus means a Savior. It's the New Testament version of the name Joshua, which means a Savior, a Deliverer. He says you're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, we're going to talk about a number of things tonight, but the main focus of, of this passage of Scripture, you say, well, what's this about? If we're going to talk about this passage of Scripture, this little section that we're looking at, we can say, well, it's about the virgin birth, and I wouldn't disagree. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. But it's not really just about the virgin birth. In fact, I would argue that probably one of the more main components or main characters of the story that we just read is the man Joseph. So I'd kind of like to think about him for a little bit tonight and see if there's not something we can learn from him. I believe there's a neat concept that I believe can be a help to you tonight if you listen and uh, trust the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the day and the time we have to be together in your house tonight. And I just want to ask this evening that you would grant unto us the ability to hear your voice, your Holy Spirit, from your word. Lord, I would ask that you would give unto me the ability to speak your word. God, you know the desire of my heart is not to just fill the time, but to uh, magnify your name and to be part of what helps to edify your people. So God, I ask that you would just bless the time tonight and, and enable me and fill me with the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to accomplish that very thing. We need you tonight, and we pray that you'd bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, and pardon me, I'm, I've been fighting a cold for a long time, so if I sniffle or sneeze or cough or something, that's what's going on. Now, here at Eastside and back at Hillcrest, we refer to ourselves as fundamental Baptists, right? That's what we believe. That's what we say that we are. We are an independent, fundamental Baptist church. Now, what does it mean to be a fundamental Baptist? Now, we're not going to exhaust that tonight, 
but I just, for your information, I think it'd be good for you to know that one of the fundamentals of our faith, to be a fundamental Baptist just simply means that we believe in the fundamentals of the faith, and one of the fundamentals of our faith is the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that is an essential to what we believe, that if somebody's like, well, you know, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I don't believe He was virgin born, then we would say, we'd have a hard time believing that person was actually a Christian. We certainly wouldn't want to fellowship with that individual. This is a big deal and a big part of, of our belief system and of our faith that Jesus was not just any old baby boy born in Bethlehem, that His birth was a miraculous one, namely in the fact that it was He was born of a virgin. Uh, it implies that Jesus was a supernatural Savior, and that's important because to save people from their sins is a supernatural thing, and we need Him to be a supernatural Savior in order to trust Him with the supernatural second birth that you and I both need, and uh, in order for us to be able to do that, Jesus better be able to do some supernatural stuff. Well, He started that right off the bat by being born of a virgin. And you may recall the words that Gabriel said to Mary whenever she said, whenever Gabriel said, nothing is impossible for God, okay, whenever he talked about the virgin birth. And that was one of the things that the virgin birth displayed was that nothing was too hard for Jesus Christ. It showed that he was a supernatural Savior. It showed that he was a gift of God to mankind. The Bible says that Jesus did not come by the will of man. He came by God. In other words, man did not bring Jesus to us. God gave Jesus to us. And the virgin birth helps to accentuate that concept. He wasn't just the product of, of two people coming together, Joseph and Mary, that he was given to us, again, supernaturally, but given to us by God. It also points that, to the fact that Jesus is deity, that Jesus is is God. You know the verse there in John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. Okay? We don't believe that Jesus is uh, just related to God. We don't believe that Jesus is just like God. We don't believe that Jesus just knows about God and can teach us about God. We believe that Jesus Christ was, in fact, God, that He is God. Okay? That's a fundamental to our faith, that he wasn't just a good teacher. The virgin birth shows us it's, it's like a sign that Jesus isn't just a normal human being. He is, again, supernatural. He is the Son of God. The other thing the virgin birth does is it connects the blood of Jesus. It, it, it shows that his blood is not just regular human man blood. It is God blood. I know that's kind of a weird way to think about it, but whenever Jesus makes the claim that His blood has the power to wash away our sins, that His blood pays for the penalty of not just our sins, but as John would say, the sin of the whole world. Well, whenever it's just an average man blood, there's a lot of good Christians that have died for the faith. There's a lot of people that have been martyred for the faith. But only Jesus could say that He shed the blood of God for the sins of mankind. And that makes his blood altogether different than yours and mine. His blood had to be special because it would be used to pay 
for our sins. And then as Matthew himself points out here in this chapter, the virgin birth was a fulfillment of a prophecy. And if, you're, if you like to write this kind of stuff down, there in verse number 23, that's a reference to Isaiah chapter 7 in verse number 14, in which Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall uh, be with child. How does he say it there? Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew fills in the blanks and says that means God with us. So, I don't want to get, uh, uh, this isn't really the point of the sermon, but it helps to establish where we're going to go with this. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is, yes, it is a fundamental of our faith, but we would also say, and I, I need you to amen this if you're in agreement with this, and I think that you will be. I just want to make sure we're on the same page, that the virgin birth was a, here's what I'm going to say, the virgin birth was a good thing. Amen? Okay, there's like five people that believe the virgin birth was a good thing. So I want to make sure we're all together here tonight. We believe that what God was doing whenever he uh, 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 gave Mary uh, and, 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 and uh, put Jesus Christ in her by the power of the Holy Ghost, we believe that that virgin conception and birth was and is a good thing. Amen? Okay, it's a good thing. Okay. That what God was doing was an amazing thing. I mean, it was, the, it was part of what was going to enable you and I to be forgiven of our sins and to be made right with God. It was part of what was going to enable us to have a pathway to God and a relationship with God and eternal life in heaven with God. If it's not for this virgin birth, you and I are still in our sins. We don't get to go to heaven. We, we look at this and we say, man, amen. God was bringing down a baby to be born of the Virgin Mary. What a miracle that God was doing, a good thing for mankind. So I think all of us would be in agreement that the virgin birth and what God does here uh, through Mary was in fact, is a good story, is a good plan, is a good miracle that God put together. And yet, when it first came across Joseph's death, (laughs) death, That's not the word I wanted to use. When it first came across Joseph's desk, desk and death, they're very similar sometimes. Uh, When it first came across Joseph's desk, it didn't really seem all that good. Now, I know sometimes we just kind of read over this and we say, oh, well, you know, Joseph was okay with it. He really wasn't okay with it, if you're paying attention to the story, that Joseph wasn't just like, oh, praise God, my wife is uh, pregnant with a baby that's not mine. That wasn't Joseph's reaction. Joseph was minded to put her away whenever God's good plan, and I I don't don't know, I really shouldn't use air quotes, we know it was a good plan, but when that good plan came to Joseph's life, whenever it intersected Joseph's life, this good thing that God was doing, this good thing that God was uh, accomplishing, this good plan that God was fulfilling, really, at, at least in the beginning, brought this man named Joseph a lot of significant heartache. Now, we know, according to verse number 18, we have the privilege of being able to get the backside of the story, I mean, to get the background or to hear what the narrator has to say. You and I are privy to the information in verse number 18 that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That means you and I, when we're reading this story, we know whose baby this is. We know that God is up to something here, but Joseph doesn't yet know about verse number 18. 
Joseph doesn't realize what's taking place yet. Here's what Joseph knew. Joseph knew they were engaged. He says they were espoused. Joseph knew that he loved Mary. Joseph knew that they were one day going to officially be married. Joseph knew that they hadn't come together yet. And, I, and you know what that means. Joseph knew they hadn't yet come together. And so he knew he wasn't the father of this child. So, what would your reaction to that be? Probably similar to what Joseph's was. Joseph said, well, I guess this relationship is done. Says that they were espoused. Now, their engagements back then were a little bit different than engagement would be today. An engagement back in the Bible time was a, a, a very formal, actually, it was a significant commitment in and of itself. I mean, I think we would say that an engagement is still a significant commitment today. I mean, we give a wedding ring back and forth or an engagement ring or something of that nature to pledge our seriousness about this thing. Uh, But back then, there was an official ceremony. There was a dowry that was given to the father. There was a legal and a binding contract that was signed between the husband and the wife or the bride-to-be and the groom, as well as with the parents. There was a written marriage contract describing the money that she would receive if he passed away or divorced her unlawfully. Witnesses had to be present at this betrothal. Espoused couples referred to each other as husband and wife, as we saw even in this passage. After they were engaged, she would stay home with her dad. This is kind of cool. This is a little bit uh, side information, but still interesting. Uh, After they were engaged, she would stay at home with her dad while the groom went off to prepare a place for them to live. That's familiar language, right? Once this was done, the groom would come back and get the woman, and then they would have the formal formal wedding. They would go off to live in their new home and begin their married life together at that point. Now, during the engagement period, though, this is where it comes into our story. During that engagement period, if she turns up with a baby, if one of them was unfaithful and had relations with somebody else, then he could very legally or she could very legally divorce her, which is what they called it whenever the engagement or the betrothal was broken off. And that is exactly what Joseph was minded to do in this particular story. Now, I hope you'll give me a little bit of liberty, and don't don't get nervous whenever I say this. I want you to just try to think between the lines here on this. The Bible does not say this exactly, but I cannot help but think that Mary, there was at least one or two conversations between Joseph and Mary about this matter. That Joseph doesn't just secretly, privately say, I'm going to divorce Mary and never talk to her about it. Somehow Joseph finds out about this information. My guess is he finds out from Mary, has a conversation with her in some way. I, I have a hard time believing that at least Mary didn't say, Joseph, you've got me all wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. Mary had been visited by the angel Gabriel, according to Luke's gospel, we know that that's what had happened, and so you can't, I, I have a hard time believing that Mary didn't share that information with Joseph and say, hey, Joseph, uh, you, you, you've got me all wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't been unfaithful. I haven't cheated on you. Uh, this is something that an angel came to me in the middle of the night and told me this was going to happen, and I, I kind of had a hard time believing it at first, too, but then I kind of submitted and surrendered and trusted what God had going on in, in this whole deal, and she says, Joseph, I can't explain it. I can't understand it. I just know what happened. 
and yet Joseph is still minded to put her away. He's going to put her away privately. He, he really had the legal authority to have her stoned. That's what it would have been to make a public example out of her. But in his kindness and graciousness, he doesn't do that. Nevertheless, it's, again, once again, it's hard for me to believe that this was a pleasant experience for Joseph. That Joseph was very likely heartbroken over the fact that the girl he loved, that he was engaged to, wound up expecting a child that he just knew wasn't his. And it apparently bothered him because he was ready to divorce her, put her away. So let's try to put some pieces of the puzzle together here. We've established the virgin birth was a good thing. It was the good plan of God. God was up to something miraculous. God was doing something wonderful. God was doing something good. And yet, here it was coming across Joseph's desk. And for him, it really wasn't all that great. It was causing a lot of heartache for him. It was upsetting a lot of his life. It was not what he had envisioned. This is not how he wrote his love story with Mary. So, this is a question I have for you. How do you stay faithful to the plan of God when the plan of God that's supposed to be good doesn't appear to be good? Now, I realize that I'm in a Christian church where the right answer is supposed to be Whatever comes my way, we know the passage, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for what? Good. To them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. I know that we know that the right answer is that whatever happens in my life is good. God is doing something good, and that is true, and we believe that. But sometimes the good plan of God doesn't always feel all that good whenever you're going, in, going through it. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in that, but I don't think that I am. I think it's a very common experience. I think you can look down the line of some of the Bible characters that are out there. Uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all of them were part of a really good plan, but all of them went through some pretty difficult stuff, especially Joseph. Joseph has a great dream one night, and everybody's going to bow down and worship him. He's going to be like in charge of his dad and his brothers and the whole family. Has a dream two nights in a row. Man, God's going to really do something cool with me. And next thing he knows, he gets sold into slavery and winds up spending the next 13 years of his life at the bottom of the heap, in slavery, in prison, forgotten, forsaken seemingly. Yeah, now we know God was doing something good, but during those 13 years from 17 to 30 years old, it sure didn't feel all that good to Joseph. We know that David, God had a good plan for David. David's life didn't always look all that great either. God took David through some pretty dark stuff. Ran from Saul. I mean, that's just that's obviously kind of the big thing in his life. Uh, he defeated Goliath. Looked like he was going to be the next king of Israel. Been anointed. He's now working for Saul. Everything's going great. Marrying the king's daughter. And then all of a sudden the king says, man, I hate this guy. Let's kill him. And David spends the next, it's hard to know, but David spends a number of years, it would seem, on the run. All as part of a quote-unquote good plan. God had a good plan for Daniel, but Daniel got thrown in a lion's den. God had a good plan for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got thrown into a fiery furnace. God had a good plan for his son, Jesus Christ, but he hung on a cross for six hours. Here, here's the thing. Here, here's what I'm, I'm hoping to uh, get to. 
is we know and believe that God's plans are good, but sometimes God's plans don't always feel all that good. And the question is, how do you stay faithful to the good plan of God when the good plan of God doesn't feel too good? Well, here's the question. What kept Joseph on the, on the road? What kept Joseph in the narrow way? What was it, what was the thing that, that changed Joseph's mind? What was it that got into Joseph's head that caused him to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay in God's will, if you will, to stay into the good plan of God? What was it that caused Joseph to continue to follow this path, this road that God had laid before him, and instead of divorcing Mary and getting off the path? I'll tell you what it was. The, one of the things that is, in, that is essential to staying faithful to the good plan of God when the good plan of God doesn't feel too good is Joseph heard from God. The thing that caused Joseph to turn and to change his ways was hearing the message of God. Now look, I know we don't typically think about it that way, but when Joseph was visited by Gabriel, Gabriel was a messenger from God. So I'm putting two and two together and saying Joseph wasn't just hearing from Gabriel. Joseph was hearing from God. And whenever Joseph heard the message of God, here's the message of God. Look there in verse number 20. He basically, while he's thinking on these things, man, I don't know what to do. I, just, I, thought, I thought me and Mary had something special, but I guess not. I mean, she's uh, been unfaithful to me, and I, I don't know what to do now. I just you know I want to put her away. I don't want anything to do with this. While he's thinking about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her in her is of the Holy Ghost. Here's the, here's the message of God, first of all, to Joseph. Joseph, this unpleasant thing that has come across your desk, he says, Joseph, God did this. The message of God to Joseph, first of all, was, Joseph, what's happening in your life, God has done this. The second part of the message was, get this, not only has God done this, but God is going to really use this. He says, this is of the Holy Ghost. Notice what else he says. He says, and furthermore, she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Joseph, what I am doing in your life and in Mary's is going to make an eternal difference in the lives of countless people. Joseph, God has done this. And Joseph, God is going to use this. Now, when Joseph heard those two things, and furthermore, he said, you know, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. God's been planning this. God's doing this kind of along those same lines. God is coming to visit his people. God has done this, and God is going to use this. Now, look, those two concepts, when he heard the message of God, those two ideas that God has allowed this into your life, and God is going to use this in your life to be a blessing to countless other people, there was something about that message that caused Joseph to wake up in the morning and say, okay. I can be okay with this. What was at one point troubling? What was at one point discouraging? What was at one point completely had turned his world upside down? What was at one point a very dreadful and dark and discouraging circumstance in Joseph's life? Now all of a sudden seemed to be something that was okay. In fact, I think Joseph would even say, you know what I think? This may not be the way I drew up my life, but this is a good thing God is doing. You know what's so cool about the Word of God and about the message of God? Why I think it's important that you stay in your Bible? Why I think it's important that you come to the, 
to the house of God and hear the preaching of the Word of God is because the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God has this unique ability to take the circumstances of life and filter them through the lens of God's perspective and show you and maybe give you hope that what God is doing in your life is something that, first of all, God has done, and second of all, something that God is going to use. And whenever you... Is everybody awake tonight? I know it's Christmas, almost Christmas Eve. I kind of feel like maybe everybody's thinking about cookies and Santa and something of that nature. This is important, that you're going to go through things in your life, and you're going to say, God, I've been following you. I've been faithful to you. I've been doing things your way, and this is supposed to be good. Things are supposed to turn out good for me. I thought following you was supposed to be the better way to live, and yet I've been following you, and something bad has happened to me. Here's what you need the Word of God to whisper into your ear, and it will if you read it, and if you get into the preaching of the Word of God, you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, hey, son. Hey, daughter, this is something that God is doing, and this is something that God is going to use. You know, some of the things that are some of the darkest and most difficult things of my life and of yours are things that God does use to help other people down the road. That's not just my opinion. That's 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. He says the things that God, uh, and I can't quote it verbatim, but that God who comforts us in all our tribulation, he says he comforts us in that tribulation so that one day when somebody else is going through something dark and difficult, we too can comfort them with the same comfort we got from God when we were going through our dark time. You say, well, this doesn't feel very good. Why has God allowed this to come into my life? I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Here's what I can say is that in order for you to stay faithful to God's plan for your life, even when God's plan for your life isn't how you may have charted your course, even though God's plan for your life may have taken some bumps and some uh, dips and some valleys that you wouldn't have necessarily chosen, you might say, boy, God, I I I don't think this is a good idea. Here's what you need the Word of God to whisper into your ear is that God is doing something. He's doing something good, and He's going to use this in your life to help a lot of other people. Whenever you hear that, this is what kept Joseph on the straight and narrow. This is what kept Joseph following the plan of God when the plan of God didn't feel all that great. It's first of all, he had to hear the word of God. Now, this seems to go without saying, but Joseph still had to believe the word of God. He could have woke up in the morning and said, yeah, I don't believe that. He could have woke up in the morning and said, well, I think I may have just had some bad you know, food last night. I had a weird dream that some angel came and told me that all this is going on with Mary. Uh, That still doesn't make any sense to me. No, Joseph had to wake up in the morning and say, okay, I have heard from God and I'm going to trust what God's word says. He had to hear God's word. He had to trust God's word. He also had to just flat out submit to God's word. In order for him to stay on the straight and narrow and keep following God's plan, what God was calling him to, even though it wasn't exactly how he had charted the, uh, driven, dri- written things up or drawn things up, he, he, in order for him to stay on that path, he had to not only hear from God, but trust God and wake up in the morning and say, okay, and that's exactly what he does. It says, verse number 24, Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife. And it says that he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph submits to what the Word of God told him to do. Here's the thing. Even when God's good plan interfered with Joseph's plans, I guarantee you this wasn't Joseph's plan. Joseph wasn't sitting around, 
13, 14, 15, 16-year-old saying, I hope I can one of these days grow up and get engaged to a girl uh, that's going to give birth to somebody else's baby. Pretty sure that wasn't how Joseph drew it up. This, I mean, this is especially back in that day. This would have been a big deal for him. Whenever God's plan didn't necessarily line up with what Joseph had planned for himself, Joseph trusted God and he submitted to God's will. He trusted God's will, get this, even when God's will got a little bit uncomfortable. Here's the thing. It's not just Joseph that's going to have to face circumstances that way. I think it's very likely if you follow God long enough that God's plan is going to lead you through some uncomfortable circumstances. And uncomfortable is putting it probably mildly. Or God's going to lead you through something dark and difficult that seems to be anything but good. Anything but good. You've got your stories. I've got mine. Things I look back on and I say, oh man, that sure wasn't good. That sure didn't feel very good. What good came out of that? Things I feel like I'm experiencing right now that I say, you know, God, I don't get it. I think to, to, to make it even, to put salt in the wound, is to sometimes look across the street at the guy that doesn't seem to care about God at all, doesn't ever go to church, doesn't ever uh, uh, seem to give a care about anything about the things of God, and yet his life at least seems to be going on just fine. You know, Job experienced a similar thing, where it's like, I don't get it. I'm trying to follow you, trying to be faithful. Why has this happened? Why is this going on? This doesn't seem to be good. Like I say, whenever we're in those difficult situations, this is what we're called to do. Get into the Word and you will find that God is up to something good. You need to trust that God is taking you somewhere good and just follow Him. There is something to be said for persistent trust and persistent obedience. You've heard it. We sing it in a song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to two things. Trust and obey. I think that's a lot of wisdom in that simple little song. When God leads you through something difficult, trust that He's taking you somewhere good and just follow Him. Let me give you some just quick applications, some take-home things like, okay, so what do I do about this? First of all, we've already talked about this, but get into God's Word to build your faith. You say, boy, I just wish I had faith to trust God with the things going on in my life. You know, one of the best ways you can do that is to get into the Word. The Bible says, let's take a look at this real quick. You can leave this. Look with me quickly in Romans chapter 12. I want to show you this real quick. We're almost done. Romans chapter number 12. Look what, you're familiar with this passage. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me just stop right there. How do, how do we renew our mind? By getting into the Word of God, by filtering our thoughts with the Word of God, the message of God, the truth of God. That's how we are transformed, by renewing our minds, submitting it to the Word of God. Now, why is that important? Because, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That ye may prove what is that good 
an acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, some people, I've heard it said that that describes three different versions of the will of God. Well, there's the good will of God, there's the uh, perfect will of God, and there's the acceptable will of God. I don't think that's what Paul's saying right there. Paul is using three words to describe the will of God. That it is good, that it is perfect, and that it is acceptable. And Paul is telling his readers there, he's saying, if you guys will get into the Word of God and allow it to transform your mind, you'll see that. See, the Word of God, again, has this unique ability to take all the crazy stuff sometimes that happens in our life and filter it through truth and give us a different perspective on it and say, whenever we're able to see things through God's lenses, it enables us to say, well, okay, well, if God's in this, I don't really understand it and I don't really like it, but knowing that God is in charge... And knowing that God is doing something good, and knowing that God is very likely going to use this in my life and in the life of other people, it still doesn't make me necessarily love what I'm experiencing, but it does enable me to handle it a little bit better than when it just seems like random, causeless chaos. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Joseph went from being greatly troubled to being a-okay, whenever we heard from God. You get into the Word and you'll see that God is good and that God has good plans for His people. I believe the Word of God proves that time and time again. Some of you need to be getting into the Word of God. You need to be exposing yourself to the preaching of the Word of God on a much more regular basis because it will strengthen your faith. And instead of sending you into a tailspin whenever you get bad news from the doctor, whenever you've got bad news at work, when you've got struggles in your home, when you've got struggles in your own spiritual life, whenever you get under the Word of God, the Word of God has a, this unique ability to say, hey, listen, I'm doing something in your life. Just hang in there and trust me. I found that to be true time and time again in my own life. Secondly, so number one, get into God's Word to build your faith. Secondly, trust in God's plan and trust in God's sovereignty. Have faith in God. Again, I think the two cool thoughts for me whenever I look at the message that God had for Joseph is God did this and God's going to use this. Those, those two ideas are very helpful to me now look, I do want to clarify something here. We're not just talking about, hey, if you're running from God and you're experiencing some bad things, I still think God is bringing some negative situation into your life to bring you back to Him, which is good. I'm not really talking about the rebel that's running from God and God's bringing these things into It's like, well, I'll just trust God. He's working it together for me. I'm talking about the person that you're just going down the road, you're following Christ, you're doing what He tells you to do, and just some random trouble comes knocking at your door. And you're finding yourself saying, well, wait a second, I was trusting God. What's up with this? I want to encourage you in that situation to recognize that God is in charge. That nothing happens. And I, I do not believe that things happen in our life just by crazy chance. And happen. We, don't believe in, we don't believe in luck. We don't believe in fate. We believe in the sovereignty of God. That the things that happen in my life and in yours are orchestrated by an all-powerful, wise God who knows what he's doing and knows what he's doing in your life and in mine. So understand, God did this, and God's wanting to use this. He's going to do something in your life that will enable you to be used and helpful to others down the road. And I think when you can hang on to that and know that and trust that, it doesn't necessarily make the pain of the situation that you're dealing with go away, but it does help, I believe, to at least put it in its proper place and to mitigate it and cause you to say, okay, and I can get on board with whatever God's doing in my life. 
So trust his word and trust his plan for your life. And then lastly, as, as Joseph had to do, submit to God's plan. Hey, look, when God's plan doesn't agree with yours, you need to obey God. Why? Because you believe God's plan has taken you somewhere good. Because you believe God knows what he's doing with your life. When God's word, and when God begins to work in your life and he tells you to stop something, hey, you need to stop drinking. You need to uh, uh, trust God and go home and stop drinking. When God tells you that you need to give up some entertainment in your home or in your house that you know is not right, that you know is defiling your mind, instead of saying, oh God, you're trying to take all the fun out of my life, you need to submit to him and trust that whatever he's telling you to get rid of is going to be for your good if you get rid of it. Your life's going to go on, I promise. You need to trust that when God challenges you to witness or attend church faithfully or to start tithing, God challenged you to start coming to the prayer meeting or joining the choir or working in the nursery, whatever it is. You need to trust, hey, I've got a Heavenly Father that is not a passive parent. He is an active parent. He is engaged in my life. He is trying to teach me and train me. And if He is leading me to do something, then He knows it's for my good. And get on board with it. Maybe He's allowed something in your home, whether it's your, with your marriage or maybe with your children. Listen, we know this, that it's God's will for you to stay together and for you to stay committed to one another. We know that's God's will. We don't have to get into a big debate about that. We know that's God's plan. Well, God's plan doesn't feel too good right now. Well, God's plan is that I love her and that she reverence me. That's not just my opinion. That's Ephesians chapter 5. So, what do I need to do? I need to trust that God knows what he's doing. And I need to get on board with his plan and submit to his plan and trust that that's going to lead me somewhere good or at least better than where I'm at today. When God leads you through something difficult, trust that he's taking you somewhere good and just follow him. Listen, one has said it like this. Sometimes the highway is going to have some potholes. Don't get off the highway just because you hit a few potholes. Listen, God is leading you somewhere good. You trust Him, and you keep following Him. Get into the Word of God, and it'll help you along the way. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.